the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Thursday, everybody, and follow these names. You ready? Because here's the, the, the biggest news in the country today. There's a lot and a lot of news, but here's the biggest one. Sandra, Ruth, Sonia, Elena, Ketanji. One, two, three, four, five. Those are the five women who have who are have served or are serving or are about to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Um, oh, I forgot. Amy Comey Barrett. Whoa, mistake. One, two, three, four, five, six. So um, Amy Comey Barrett, who uh, clerked for Justice Scalia, who I should really know and have on the tips of my tip of my tongue. Uh, I remember them asking Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, you know, Justice, when will you be satisfied? Um, and I'm going to mess up the exact quote. But, you know, how many women are on the quote? Uh, on the court, when would you be satisfied? I think her answer was nine. Um, that was a little bit of a joke, but maybe not. So congratulations to Justice, future Justice Brown Jackson. Uh, she's also the third African-American person to be on the court. And we're going to discuss all of this with Professor Alan Dershowitz coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, the vote was, in case you haven't heard, 53 to 47 with... Uh, Three Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Mitt Romney of Utah, crossing party lines to support uh, Judge Jackson. You know, there were others who supported her and voted for her when she was nominated in 2021 for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, and now they did not support her. Interesting, because the D.C. Circuit Court, for those of you who don't really aware of this, um, like because you really don't need to be aware of it unless you're living in this world. Um, it's probably like the second most important court after the uh, United States Supreme Court. It's where Justice Scalia was. Many of those, it's known as like the bench of this Supreme Court of the United States. So many people go from the circuit court to uh, of the circuit court, the D.C. circuit court, into the Supreme Court of the United States, and um, you know it will change uh, to a degree. Justice Breyer, who's leaving, is considered to be on the left. Uh, this justice will also be on the left, but she's got some pretty unique qualifications 
First and foremost, she's the first ever Supreme Court justice to have the background of a federal public defender. Um, the last justice with significant experience representing a criminal defendant was Justice Thurgood Marshall, and that's a long time ago. And I have to say, because I'm a criminal defense attorney, well, I wear a lot of hats, but that's my primary one, um, you know, that's it's great to have someone on the court who knows what happens in the well. Uh, I, I, I've had conversations with both Justice Scalia and Justice Alito, and, you know, I tell them things, or I, would, I had told them things about what happens in the well, and they're, they're surprised because they never did that. Uh, Justice Alito was uh, a prosecutor. He was the chief of the um, New Jersey federal uh, the U.S. attorney's office. But, you know, I, I don't think he was much of a trial attorney. I don't think he was running around the courtroom. And if he did, it was he didn't have a storied career there the way he did as a judge. I mean, he was a judge a very long time before he got to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. So you're going to have someone who um, knows what it's like to have an individual's life in your hands. Now, does that qualify you to be on the Supreme Court? No, of course not. But she has the educational background that certainly qualifies her. And she has the judicial background. Now, on top of being someone who um, was a lawyer representing clients, she was also a trial judge for eight years. That, which is, you know, that's a lot of experience. And it gives you a lot of practical knowledge that you are allowed to bring uh, into the conference room when you meet with the eight other justices. Uh, and, you know, she'll be the rookie. So if anybody knocks on the door, she's the one who has to answer the door. Uh, she'll be taking Amy Comey Barrett's uh, seat. Obviously, this is a the first time. Is it the first time? Maybe not. I guess Justice Kagan came after Justice Sotomayor, right? I don't know. I have to look. But maybe at one woman backing and coming onto the court right after another woman. Um, but it is, uh, it's, so it's, it's a unique time in the history of the court because, as I said, they've never had a federal defender before, uh, and they've never had, not in recent history, someone who's actually a trial judge for so long. Now, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, she was a trial judge. Um, so you're going to have a little bit of a change, even though the, the votes are going to go one way or, in the, or the other. She'll bring things to the conversation. She'll bring things to her written opinions that are, are more unique than a Justice Kagan, who also is, you know, leans on the left, um, but, you know, never did, never had those types of experiences. So it's very interesting. And, you know, you may be saying, oh, Arthur, there's so many, so many other things going on in the world. Why are you so focused on this? It really matters. I mean, it, this is the three branches of government. This matters. I'm serious. It, it, not as much as who's the president of the United States, but those nine justices have a big impact on your life. Not just my life as a lawyer, your life. They just came out with a ruling the other day about, and it happens to be a, a Brooklyn, New York case about how you could sue for malicious prosecution. So, folks, think about it. This could be you. This could be a loved one. You are falsely arrested. You're arrested for something you didn't do. And you're arrested. You either go to trial and you get acquitted, or eventually the DA's office uh, dismisses the case. And the, the law was, up until this week, if you wanted to sue, you had to prove actual innocence or have some sort of a statement for the prosecutor or the trial judge of actual innocence. 
And, you know, that is too high of a burden. And you know who said that? And this is why I don't get into this left wing, right wing. Justice Kavanaugh wrote the decision. Amy Comey Barrett joined him in that decision. So, um, and the chief judge joined in that decision, saying that the bar is too high, and they called out the judges on the Eastern District of New York, which is Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island. These are your, all of you who are in the car right now on the BQE, cursing about the, the traffic and this horrible weather. These are, these are your judges. They called out the, the uh, Second Circuit, the appellate court. That's your, that, those are your appellate judges. We're not talking about Wisconsin or Wyoming. We're talking about Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island. They said, you guys have the burden too high here for someone to sue for wrongful arrest and and malicious prosecution. Those are the rights that the Supreme Court ensures that you have. Now, if we want to talk about it from a Scalia originalist point of view, they're not supposed to create rights. They're supposed to enforce the rights. And if you read the Federalist Papers, that's that's what they're there for. They're not there to make laws. They're there to basically enforce laws and to make sure any laws that are uh, passed by the Congress and signed in by the president are constitutional. They they do not. uh, So if all of a sudden Congress passed a law that says the police can kick down your door for any reason at any time, and then the president of the United States signed it, the first person whose door got kicked in would have to bring that case to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court cannot, in and of itself, say, no, 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 that's that's a law that's not constitutional. They have to wait for someone to be harmed, and then you go to court, and then the Supreme Court rules, no, no, that law is totally unconstitutional. We're throwing it out. So you're not going to just hear from me. You're going to hear from someone who is a lot smarter than I am and has a lot more experience because he's got a few more years on the planet than I do, which is... Uh, I was I was going to say Justice Anthony Scalia. I wish he could come on the line right now. Uh, it's going to be uh, Alan Dershowitz, who you all know, who listen to AM 970. He's on with Piscopo. He's on before us with uh, Katsimatidis. Uh, maybe we'll talk about uh, President Trump. They're trying to hold him in contempt for not turning over documents to Tish James. And District Attorney Bragg in New York insists that the criminal probe of the Trump organization and Mr. Trump himself is not over. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Alan Dershowitz, and we are going to talk about the new justice of the United States Supreme Court because it affects you. It affects all of us from Brooklyn to, I don't know, figure out a B word, Berkeley, one coast to the other. We'll be right back. We can make it better. Tell me, boy, now wouldn't that be sweet? And when we're talking about the law and you want to focus on the law, well, you want to focus on lawyers who know what they're doing. And those are the lawyers at Connors and Sullivan because they can protect you from financial catastrophe. Maybe people are telling you that you are not eligible for Medicaid. Maybe someone you know is going to have to go into a rehab center or on their way to a rehab center or currently in a rehab center. The cost of those centers are enormous. They could be $15,000 a month. It could scare you straight, folks. It could bankrupt you. All the money you work hard for, the vacation days you don't take, the nights you stay late at the office, to build it up, to build it up, it could all be wiped out. Don't panic. Call Connors & Sullivan, attorneys at law. These attorneys have been doing this for 40 
years. They've helped hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just like you with the same issues. They are looking to protect you. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire news. So call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. And remember, folks, it's not too late. It's never too late. The time to act is now. So don't wait. Just call Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. After you call them, you'll be so glad that you did. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Can't judge apple by looking at a tree. You can't judge honey by looking at the bee. That's it. You can't judge a book by looking at its cover. And we're going to talk about a couple of those cases. Uh, one we just spoke about where Judge... Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh uh, wrote the decision saying people should have a, an easier time suing. Uh, before we get to uh, Professor Dershowitz, for those of you who uh, are just getting in your car and heading home, Tiger Woods is now in the clubhouse. He's one under par. He's doing a great job. It seems like this is this is his first round. I mean, yesterday to play a practice round, he had a thousand people following him around. the uh, The folks at CBS Sports they are just praying that he stays competitive because. The more and more I hear about television and the ratings and this and that, they need all the help that they can get. Someone who doesn't need any help, uh, you know, in almost any category, I'm sure I can name a couple where I could stump them, is uh, Brooklyn-born Professor Alan Dershowitz. How are you there, Professor? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm talking to you, who are the Tiger Woods of the legal profession, except for the injuries and the car accident. Yeah, let's let's keep it that way. So, Alan, we have our, our second time uh, having back-to-back women uh, on the court. We had Sonia and El- Elena, and now we have Amy and Katanji. So I guess we're moving in the right direction in terms of uh, female representation on the court. Well, it's about time. You know, with the Supreme Court up until really the middle of the 20th century was essentially an all-male institution. It was an all-white institution. It was an all-Protestant institution. You know, the first Catholics got on the court relatively late, the first Jew in 1916, the first black, Thurgood Marshall, the first first woman, you know, in our memory. So uh, I don't believe in having the court necessarily have to look exactly like America looks, but it should have the most qualified people on. And if you fairly pick the most qualified people, you know, half of them are going to be women, of course. So it's a very good thing. 
And for me, I go three cheers for Jackson. She did a great job. She was fantastic at the Judiciary Committee. I give two cheers to Biden. Why only two cheers? He nominated her because he announced in advance that he would limit his nomination based on gender and race. I think that was wrong. And no cheers for Schumer. Would you believe that Schumer announced before Jackson was even nominated that the Senate would confirm whoever President Biden nominated the Supreme Court? That essentially violates his oath of office and the Constitution. The Constitution says that the Senate shall advise and consent on the nominee, not on whether the person is nominated by a Democrat or Republican. So Schumer is a big part of the problem. So is... uh Let's t- go talk about the actual hearings themselves, Alan. Is it uh, was it really the Robert Bork? Because I am a little I am a little young to experience this thing in, in in real time. Was it really the Robert Bork hearing that then changed uh, the way nominees handle these hearings? But prior to Bork, were the nominees more forthright and forthcoming with their answers? And then everyone learned from watching Bork get burned. Uh, to kind of just shut up and be very amorphous with their answers? Well, there are three phases in our history. Uh, You know, when Brandeis was nominated in 1916, he didn't even appear before the Judiciary Committee. Um, uh, Just uh, other people did. Um, That is a recent development. Uh, Then for many years, justices did. Um, I remember Justice Goldberg uh, getting confirmed, and he talked a lot about his judicial philosophy, and he had a long record. Then came along Bork. Now, you know, Bork, I knew Bork very well. I mean, I, I liked him as a person, but he was an extremist on many views. I mean, he basically said that a family's right to practice birth control is as protected by the Constitution as a corporation's right to pollute the air. I mean, you know, he, he was a professor and a provocative professor. It would be like me getting a nomination to the Supreme Court and people finding all the things I said over 50 years of teaching to be provocative. So he was extraordinarily provocative, and he was defeated. He was defeated largely at the behest of my friend Ted Kennedy, helped by my former colleague Larry Tribe, who put the case against him pretty much together. And that changed things, but not permanently. Remember Scalia, 98 to, to nothing. Um, um, uh, Justice Thomas was different because he had an allegation against him, which I still to this day don't know, A, whether it's true, and B, whether it's relevant. And then, of course, in recent years, it's been totally crazy. Um, uh, Justice, you know, we have now uh, Justice Barrett, who, who, whose Catholic faith was attacked by, the, by, some, by some Democratic uh, uh, senators. And then uh, Kavanaugh, who you know, went back to a high school time when yeah i mean that was so alan let me let me just make you laugh when the day of that 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 hearing when uh ford testified and kavanaugh testified i uh, i was sitting at my desk where i am right now and i had the television on the whole time and as soon as and i think the whole country watched right i mean it was like a tennis match uh, between the two of them going back and forth and especially when he came back with his rebuttal and he was so emotional justice kavanaugh um the phone rings as soon as it ends. I turn off the TV and the phone rings and it's my mother. And, you know, yeah, I speak to my mother every day, but I speak to her in the morning. Typically. I, I speak to her only every other day. Yeah. I know. I know. 
So it was like about 5 o'clock, and I'm like, why is my mother calling me? And, of course, I get a little nervous. You know, my folks aren't exactly spring trick chicken, sure. so I answer the phone immediately. Oh, they're, Mom, they're, they're terrific. They're in great shape. Yeah. I, from your mouth to God's ears. So I pick up the phone quickly. I go, Mom, what's the matter? She goes, did you just watch this? I go, yeah. She goes, have you been watching all day? I was like, yeah. She goes, well, if you're thinking about running for anything or getting confirmed for anything, she goes, just forget about it. Because when you were in high school and you would get home at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm sure you weren't preparing for the 6 a.m. mass at St. Anselm's. So if they're going to go back when you're 55, you're right. If they're going to go back when you're 55, 53 years old to things you did when you were 18 years old, you know, forget about it. Just throw it out the window. And yeah. in my opinion, that inhibits some of the best people from going well, into public course. service, whether it's politics, the general judiciary. It just it's, it, it's not worth let it. Let me tell you, leaving, leaving a creed life doesn't help you. I was in high school. I never had a beer. I never came home except from basketball practice at 6 o'clock. I was a goody two-shoes. All through college, goody two-shoes. Law school, goody two-shoes. I never touched a woman inappropriate. I've never done anything wrong, and I'm still accused. So it doesn't matter what you do. Today, if a woman wants to accuse you falsely, it's the end of the matter. Uh, no matter how much evidence you have, overwhelmingly that you never met her, you're accused, and so you're guilty. I have to tell you, the worst moment for me of the Jackson confirmation hearings is when the senator from South Carolina, who I like, um, and uh, who I've had you know, a lot of contact with, asked her on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say your faith is? That senator standing right there violated the text of the Constitution, which says no religious test shall ever be required for holding any office over the, under the United States. And she very appropriately said, I'm not going to discuss my faith. Um, you know, there are there are senators who say they wouldn't vote for an agnostic or an atheist. Um, I'll tell you a little secret. They have voted for agnostics and atheists. I'm not going to disclose who, but there have been agnostics and atheists on the Supreme Court. But the idea that a senator would ask you on a scale of one to ten, what is your faith? I mean, if it were me, I would say, what is your effing business? Right. Uh, you, well, know, Alan, you know, when you just when, you would ask about someone's faith, it's when you brought up when you when you brought up what, what Chuck Schumer said, you know, whoever the nominee yeah. is, where it will be confirmed. It reminded me of and and then talking about you living a clean life and still being accused. It reminds me of the attorney general of the state of New York, who personally I'm very fond of, who said all women should be believed. I, I mean, know, of course, I know. How, I, met her, I met her recently. I liked her. She's a charming woman. But to say to say that, you know, you know, you know what what Schumer was basically saying, hey, Mr. President, nominate Whoopi Goldberg to the Supreme Court. We'll confirm her. Don't worry about it. She's been on. You know the five or whatever it's called uh, the the, right. the, the, the show the, the, on television. Right. Yeah, she must be good. She's a woman. She's black. Put her up. We'll confirm her. Doesn't matter that she's not a lawyer. You don't have to be a lawyer to be on the Supreme Court. Schumer should be ashamed of himself for what he said because he is part of the problem. He made a very good speech today in the Senate talking about how wonderful it was that Jackson was going to be confirmed, and I commend him for that. But he would have voted for anybody. He would have voted for anybody who the president nominated because for him it's a partisan issue. If a Democratic president nominates the person, I'm the majority leader of the Senate, that person's getting through. That's absurd. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm also looking at it. I totally agreed with you, and I've said it repeatedly on this show. I'm, I feel bad for the new justice because uh, – 
because of the quota that was put out there during the campaign. I yeah. am going to put the first African-American woman on the stage. You know, uh, Reagan didn't say, I don't believe he said, I'm going to put the first woman on or I'm going to put the first Italian on. You know, he just did it, and it did not diminish their qualifications. Um, but, you know, when you juxtapose where we are today versus when they put Thurgood Marshall on, you know, Thurgood Marshall was, I mean, he was maybe the most qualified lawyer on the, in the land when he right. when he yeah. went on the court, I mean, there was no if ands or uh, uh, about that. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, Alan, and we're going to come back. And I just want to talk about Thurgood Marshall a little bit and Clarence Thomas oh, a little sure. bit and the new justice, Kentanji Brown Jackson. So stick around, folks. We're going to listen to the news and we'll be back in about three and a half minutes. Hi, everyone. It's Arthur Idala, and I'm here to tell you that I do not want you to miss the Salem Business Breakfast on Wednesday, April 27th. Hear from an expert panel on all things business. Yes, not only am I a lawyer, but I'm a businessman because I run a law practice. Gain invaluable insights that can't be found anywhere else. Wednesday, April the 27th at the fabulous Sicone Theater at Bergen Community College in Paramus. Joe Piscopo and the AM 970 morning team will be broadcasting live. A gourmet breakfast from DR Catering will be served. Bring lots of business cards to enter for several great prizes and to hand out while you're networking. You'll come away with information, contacts, and motivation to grow your business. Entry is free, but you must, you must register online at the am970theanswer.com website. That's am970theanswer.com. The Salem Business Breakfast is sponsored by Magna Flood Inc. Lighting your way. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... Don't you just love the smell of old books? This is a library. Sorry, ma'am. We're looking for a book titled Liberty Mutual Customizes Your Car Insurance So You Only Pay for What You Need. I don't think we carry that, but check nonfiction. It really does devour literature. Please leave. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 liberty. Register now to take a journey that will impact you forever with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza for 10 life-changing days exploring over 40 historic sites in Israel this November 30th through December 9th. Sign up now at StandWithIsraelTour.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. 88. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970. The answer. We have light rain, we have fog, we have 52 degrees. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, four men are under arrest in Manhattan in what authorities say was a drugs for missiles plot. Prosecutors say it involved a scheme to get American made surface to air missiles to armed ethnic groups in Burma in exchange for meth and heroin. Authorities say those arrested plan to distribute the drugs in New York. Of those arrested, one man was from Japan, two were from Thailand, and one with dual citizenship in the U.S. and Thailand. 
New York state lawmakers reportedly have a budget deal in place that includes a partial suspension of the state's gas tax. The budget also includes a boost in funding to pre-K programs over the next three years and eligibility expansion for child care. In New York City, companies that offer child care would get a tax break. NBC4 reports the budget will allow restaurants to sell alcohol for takeout and delivery just as long as there's food along with it. The budget was supposed to be complete by April 1st, but negotiations on key issues have delayed it. And officials are signing off on the rebuilding of a New Jersey shore pier that was damaged by Superstorm Sandy and then destroyed in a boardwalk fire a year later. The Asbury Park Press reports that the owner of Funtown Pier in Seaside Park got approval for the pier from state and federal officials. The owner still needs his pier to get approved by state officials in the Army Corps. The pier is expected to be rebuilt this summer, but new rides will have to wait until next year. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson, stay away from the outbound Holland Tunnel. That's a 30 to 40 minute delay. 30 minutes inbound from 1 and 9, 10 to 15 at the Turnpike approach. Lincoln, 15 to 20 each way. George Washington Bridge, about a 15 minute delay for both the inbound upper and lower levels. The rain will continue this evening. Could be heavy at times, maybe a rumble of thunder. Tapers off after midnight. Temperatures rise in the mid-50s overnight. Sunny skies tomorrow, high 59. Chance of morning showers on Saturday and sun for the afternoon with a high of 55. Then a very nice day on the way for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and into Wednesday. Lots of sunshine. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Yesterday, had uh, we not been interrupted for the game, I wanted to address one of the most sanctimonious, one of the most arrogant, one of the most politically correct pieces of bilge. The New York Times has ever been guilty of putting on a sheet of paper. And they have the audacity to title their editorial, How to Fill a Justice's Shoes. And, uh, of course, they're talking about the shoes, the very small, very tiny shoes being left by the unlamented departing Harry Blackman. Now, I, naturally, Slick Willie, better known to some of you as the 42nd president of the United States, uh, he said the shoes are large. Well, of course, he would say that. Um, the role that he has filled on this court is terribly important, he went on to say. I will attempt to appoint someone of genuine stature and largeness of ability and spirit to the court. Nobody ever talks about Nobody ever talks about someone who is schooled in the law, someone who knows the Constitution, someone who knows the history of the Constitution, someone who's read the Federalist Papers by James Madison, or any of those other great pieces of legacies that have been left to us by the founding fathers of this one-time great republic. Nobody, nobody talks about that. No, what does he mean by the fullness of spirit? We don't want spirit. We want the highest court of the land to tell us what is constitutional, what isn't constitutional. For example, Antonin Scalia. Now, he shocked some conservatives because a while back he was in the 5-4 vote. He was the one of the five that uh, voted uh, to uh, uphold the flag burning uh, as a 
an exercise in freedom of speech. There were some people, some conservatives, who were very disturbed over that, very disappointed. But Antonin Scalia was not saying, this is what I think should happen, this is how I feel, this is what my emotion tells me. No, he said, the Constitution says. The Constitution says. And that should be what guides any Supreme Court justice. Robert Chiro Giganti. That's the, that's the voice of the great and, in many opinion, the greatest talk show host of all time, Robert Chiro Giganti, otherwise known as Bob Grant. And the reason why I play that clip is that was 30 years ago, um, you know, whatever, 28 years ago, when um, Justice Blackman was leaving and Justice uh, Breyer eventually filled his seat. But, it, you know, it goes to the point that we were kind of just making that you really want the best person, the person most qualified to interpret the Constitution and know the laws inside and out above and beyond what someone looks like. Of course, there's a balance, but the real point is the same conversations that we're having decades later under, uh, you know, what is it, four presidents later, are the same conversations on the same platform of talk radio that we're having today. Uh, And I know that, uh, first of all, Blackman's shoes weren't that small. He was the person who authored Roe v. Wade, which is a a decision. I don't know, Alan, how would you say it? It's... uh, it's not lauded. I know Ruth Bader Ginsburg wasn't very happy with uh, with the Roe v. Wade. Uh, she was happy with the outcome, but not the actual. Me, me too. Me too. I wrote against it. I thought it was not a proper constitutional decision that they didn't really find a basis in the Constitution. They kind of had to make it up, but it was a good result. But I was with uh, with Ginsburg on that one, and I wrote about it back in the day, back when that happened. I wouldn't want it to be overruled because it's been precedent for almost half a century. But I didn't think it was a great opinion. But, you know, I got to know Justice Blackman fairly well. He was the most decent man you've ever seen. When he was first appointed, he was regarded as one of the two Minnesota twins, along with the Chief Justice uh, Berger, because they were both from Minnesota and they were friends. And, of course, Blackman became far more liberal than uh, Berger was. And you never know when you appoint the justice. And, of course, I was deeply involved in the nomination of uh, Steve Breyer. I, I lobbied the president very hard. I knew Phil Clinton from Martha's Vineyard, and I you know, told him over and over again what a great justice I thought uh, that uh, Steve would make. Steve and I clerked for the same justice, Justice Goldberg, and we were on the same faculty for many years, and we were friends. We played poker together. He stopped bluffing in poker when he was appointed to the court. Uh, he was a great bluffer before he was a judge, but he said, being a judge, I can't bluff anymore. So I started really beating him at poker quite often. So three in three years before his um, his nomination, uh, I spent the summer in Italy in a town called Siena, and Justice Scalia came, and that's how I met him, and he was the professor who taught our class. And who do you think he brought along? And this is this is what I loved about Scalia. Who do you think he brought along to teach the class with him? The chief of the first, the chief, the chief. No, he brought the chief of the first of the first circuit, Stephen Breyer. And I I remember it was one night and we're in the hills of Tuscany and there's the red wine wrapped with the uh, wrapped with the straw in the bottom. And it it was like the never ending bottle. He just kept pouring and pouring. And the two of them literally across from a picnic table with about eight students mesmerized 
totally silent watching them after they finished the pasta that I had cooked for them, just going at it, going at it about the Constitution, going at it about the abortion, going at it was, and they they were so they were so very fond of each other, and um, you know while we're talking about the, the Supreme Court and Justice Breyer, what's his legacy going to be? He was certainly on the court a long time. His legacy is going to be very solid, um, very innovative on the issue of uh, capital punishment. But uh, he's exactly what conservatives want on the Supreme Court. He just followed the law. Uh, He was not uh, an ideologue. Um, In fact, when he was nominated, I told Clinton uh, that the reason he got put on the First Circuit was because Republicans wanted him. He was a lame duck appointee to the First Circuit by Jimmy Carter after he lost the election. And the Democrats, uh, the Republicans said they wouldn't put through anybody during the lame duck period, and, uh, but they put through Breyer because he really was beloved by conservatives and, and liberals alike because he, he called it the way he saw it. So I think he'll go down in history as an extremely fair. Um, he, he did exactly what Bob Grant wanted you to do. Uh, that is, he read the Constitution, he read the Federalist Papers by Hamilton, Madison, and Jay, and uh, he applied the law. Obviously, in a close case, he would apply it in a manner that was consistent with his heritage and background. He was Ted Kennedy's chief of, uh, you know, head of the legislation. And, uh, of course, you're going to get that little bit of bias, but he, you know, sometimes voted with conservatives, mostly voted with liberals. He'll have a very good, very good legacy on the Supreme Court, as will, I think, uh, Judge Jackson. I think she will follow largely in his footsteps. She was his law clerk, and I know she admired him an enormous amount, and I think she'll, she'll follow. She's got, she'll but she's got, pardon the term, but she's got more street cred, street credibility than, than he did. I mean, she's really been in the trenches. She was a federal public defender, oh, yeah. um, and she was also on the, on the uh, sentencing commission, in 2009, and you know, which was focused which on he, reducing. Which he was too, which he was too. Oh, was was Breyer? He was the first, one of the first people. He and I helped draft the sentencing legislation for Ted Kennedy that led to the sentencing commission. Um, but he didn't have any street cred. I don't think that Steve was ever really a practicing lawyer. He taught antitrust law at Harvard for a long time, and then he moved over to the legislative branch, serving as Ted Kennedy's uh, assistant. Uh, for many years, and then at a fairly young age, he was nominated to the First Circuit and served there with distinction. And by the way, he was quite conservative. Um, as a criminal defense lawyer, I did not want to have him on my panel. I would I much prefer some of the other judges, even though he was a close friend. He always didn't have a lot of friendship to interfere with his decision. But I, I, I would rather have Scalia in a criminal case than Breyer. I got you. I got you. Listen, let me check. We got a couple of minutes left, Alan. Having to do with uh, former President Trump and his issues here in New York, um, the New York State Attorney General, Tish James, she filed uh, an order to hold Donald Trump and the Trump Organization in contempt for refusing to turn over uh, documents. Yeah. Um, And she wants him fined like $10,000 per day or some sufficient to coerce his compliance. Uh, And, of Mm -hmm. course, he's appealing this. So, you know, what say Alan Dershowitz? Well, first of all, I like Trish as a, as a person, but as an attorney general, I thoroughly disapprove of her running for office, campaigning on the promise that she would get Trump, that she would try her best to get Trump. And if I were Trump's lawyers, and I'm not, I was a one-shot lawyer only in front of the Senate, if I were Trump's lawyers now, 
I would move, move for her recusal and the recusal of the entire attorney general's office from the entire case on the ground that if she doesn't get him, she will fail to satisfy a campaign promise. And that cannot be the prosecutorial criteria. Will I satisfy my campaign promise? So I would raise that issue. I don't know if he will or not, uh, but uh, uh, I, I just don't think it's proper. And remember, it looks like the criminal case in in New York uh, County, it looks like it's going nowhere, although today he gave an interview to the DA and he said the investigation continues. So I don't know. I well, just hate when, the when it... weaponization of the criminal justice system for partisan political purposes, even though I'm on the side of the partisans. Uh, we're, I'm a liberal we're on the same page. I don't like to see it. Alan, we're on the same page. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Stay safe out there. You know, COVID numbers are going up. The weather's miserable, so just keep it tight. Just to your mother. She'll probably call me and tell me how good you were on your show and how good I was on your show. And it's always a pleasure to hear from your thank, parents. Uh, you're thank blessed you, Alan. by having the most wonderful parents in the world, and they're blessed with having a great son. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm happy to be almost part of your family. Take well, care. you are part of the family, Alan. You, you did a reading at my wedding. I think, that's, uh, I think that's enough street cred to say that you're part of the family. We love you. Regards to your beautiful wife and Likewise. your son and daughter. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Thank you. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863. Numbers mean much to me because of prostate cancer. I'm Johnny Braggs, the number two for my stepfather who died of prostate cancer and my uncle who suffered so much after prostate cancer surgery. The number 15, 15 years since Dr. Lederman's successful treatment of my prostate cancer. The number zero, which is my PSA, zero after Dr. Lederman's successful prostate cancer treatment. What every man wants. The numbers one, two, three, four. Important for every man with prostate cancer. One, getting the most successful treatment. Two, avoiding radical robotic surgery. Three, keeping sexual functions. Four, maintaining urinary control. Call my Dr. Lederman. 212 Choices. 212 Choices to consider his prostate cancer treatment for you. Most insurances, Medicare, Medicaid accepted. 1384 Broadway at 38th. Call 212 Choices for prostate cancer treatment. Call Dr. Lederman. 212 Choices. I'm glad I did. You'll be number one with Dr. Lederman. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Your local radio stations are here for you. No subscriptions or monthly fees necessary. We're here to give you the news, weather, and traffic you need and the music you love. But if the foreign-owned record labels get their way, it could stop the music. They want Congress to force radio stations to pay them more money simply to play their music. Don't let radio go silent. 
text LOCAL to 52886 and tell Congress to protect local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. National Beer Day is celebrated every year on April 7th, commemorating the date that the Cullen-Harrison Act legalized the brewing and sale of the alcoholic beverage in 1933 that allowed the brewing and sale of beer up to 4% alcohol by volume. The act led to the repeal of the 21st Amendment and the end of Prohibition later in the same year. National Beer Day was officially recognized in in a 2017 proclamation by then-Governor Terry McAuliffe of Virginia. And here, here's why you should tune into this show on a regular basis. It's not for me. It's for the people around me. Now, you want to talk about the United States Supreme Court. We have Alan Dershowitz on who clerked in the United States Supreme Court, who's argued in the United States Supreme Court, who's made United States Supreme Court justices. You want to know what's going on in City Hall? You have Frank Caron, who's the chief of staff, who's going to give it to you straight like it is. You want to know about... Hollywood and what's going on. You got Lauren Conlon coming in and you got all our other Hollywood experts, but, but you could find those people maybe elsewhere, but only on AM 970. Could we deliver an expert in beer, a man who doesn't take anyone's word for it. He samples it and, and, and just puts it down his own throat into the belly, savors it, rolls it around the tongue, smells it. Sees how he feels that night. See how he feels the next morning. Not just just not just Budweiser beer. Not just craft beer. But when I told him I'm on the wagon, he starts giving me recommendations about non-alcoholic beer. The man who is the beer genius of the planet. The man who is the host of Al Gattulo's Craft Beer Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome to the Idola Power Hour, Al Gattulo. You know, I, I don't think I've ever had an introduction like that before, Arthur. I think we could just end this segment right now and it'd be fine. <laughs> no mean, way, man. I, I want to hear about this. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously I have a lot of beer drinking buddies. And let, <laughs> right. let me just start with this, Al. When sure. did beer go from being, you know, Rheingold, Budweiser, Pops mm-hmm. Blue Ribbon, Coors Light, right. to now when you go into a regular supermarket or just a regular deli, there's all of this insane beers from all over the city, the state, the country, the world. When did that, like, when did we kind of jump over this whole beer hurdle? Is it 10 years? It doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but I could be wrong. No, it's it's around 10 to 12 years ago where you really started to see uh, beer become uh, prominent on shelves where it, was, it wasn't just your Budweiser's and Coors Lights, but uh, lots of different uh, craft breweries aside from the big names that everybody knows. I mean, it really started uh, when uh, former President Jimmy Carter signed into effect the home brewing law that allowed people to start brewing beer in their homes, because before that it was illegal to brew beer in your home. So it, it really was the 70s where Jimmy Carter kind of freed things up a little bit, and then you had 
um, Jim Cook and Samuel Adams come out in the mid-'80s, which kind of really started the beer sort of revolution, and then it kind of faded away and started to make a comeback in the you know, middle, middle to late-'90s. But really it's been the last, um, I would say, 10 to 12 years where craft beer has just surged in popularity where you, you just you see it everywhere in every city and state across the it's country. It's intimidating. I will, I, will, I got yes. it's 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 actually intimidating that there's so many <laughs> so much out there <laughs> and there's so much going on. I mean, I just like usually reach for some sort of German or European uh stalwart, you know, I'm like give me a Bex, right. you know, you know, I'm like yeah. I'm safe, but I mean you you play around with so much stuff. I mean, there's just so people who don't really know about this, there's watermelon beers, there's grapefruit beers, yep. there's chocolate beers. Basically right. every flavor that you could imagine, there's some beer take on it. Right. But but you you just said it, you'd usually reach for a Bex or something European, and that's what really started the craft beer, I guess, if you want to call it the second resurgence of craft beer, a lot of the people that are in craft beer right now that are brewing craft beer are because they were exposed to beers in Europe that they couldn't get here in America. So it was trying to duplicate that, uh, you know, at first from a home brewing standpoint and then up it to a production scale and then put a United States kind of an American kind of spin on it. So, yeah, you're right. There's watermelon beers. There's mango beers. There's all different types of beers and adjuncts and lactose and all these different things that are put in beer. But at the end of the day, beer is beer. is four simple ingredients. It's, you know, it's water, it's hops, it's yeast, it's, and, it's, and it's grain. That's it. I mean, that's essentially what beer is. But what people can do with that, with such a simplistic recipe, and what they're doing now is just amazing. Now, Al, you talked about Jimmy Carter and allowing you to make beer at home. Have you ever made beer, your own beer? I, I have not. I, I've done it once with my, my cousins. My cousin actually makes really good beer, and we kind of had a family day uh, a couple of years ago. Actually, in the midst of the pandemic in 2020, uh, we did a, a, a kind of beer thing where we made uh, a traditional West Coast IPA, and then we did a chocolate cherry stout. Both of them came out great, but, but my contribution was bringing some ingredients and stirring uh, you know, one of the pots to get make sure that the, all the ingredients were mixed in. I don't have the patience to sit there and wait weeks uh, for a beer to be made. I want to be able to go into my, my beer fridge in my man cave here and crack open a beer and drink it. Now, how many refrigerators do you have in the man cave? I only have one. Are you drinking now, Gatulo? I'm having a I'm having a bottle of water. I was I was at a funeral earlier today, so. Um, so what is that? Did you hold on? Did, I, I I mean I apologize for your loss. My condolences. Did you get you. Did you get dehydrated from the funeral that you in well, the middle of an interview you gulp in water? Well, Where's well, the respect? A, a, a little. Here's what happened. So we, we you know you finish the funeral and as usually as as Italians do they go eat. Yeah, but so, you got uh, it. we we. We went to a, a little uh, an Italian place on Staten Island, and um, wh- what did they have? They had wine, and they had Budweiser and Coors Light. So what did I do? I actually had a Budweiser for the first time in probably about 15 years. Okay, so what was it like? why I got dehydrated. What, 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 what was Budweiser like? Sir, I'm not being wise guy. What was it like? Uh, honestly, it's like water because I sucked it down in about 10 seconds. I mean, it's just it's, – it's nothing. It's supposed to be a lager, but it's made with rice which is the reason why Budweiser makes their beer with rice is because it's cheaper. They don't make it with corn, obviously, or, or they do actually add corn uh, to it. Uh, corn and rice are cheaper ingredients to make beer, and it allows them to stretch their process longer. That's why Budweiser tastes so weak to people, because it's made with inferior pro- inferior uh, ingredients. Is it the same with Coors? Oh, Coors is even worse. 
Coors is like, forget <laughs> it. I mean, drink it. You know, you know, you know what's funny? I, I look at Budweiser and Coors Light as what beer was back in medieval times and even in ancient Egypt because beer was essentially created because the water was infected. The water had high amounts of bacteria, so you couldn't drink the water because what they were doing with the water was dumping waste in it and, and you know, all different types of things were in it. So the water actually wasn't drinkable. So low-alcohol beer was created, you know, somewhere around – two and a half percent, three percent, where you can drink a few of them and not be inebriated and, you know, make it through your day. So, you know, beer was essentially done because people needed something else to drink other than water because the water was terrible. So where I know you do this great beer cast. What's is there? Have you ever gone on like a trip to go try a certain beer or like what efforts? What are the greatest efforts you've ever gone to to get your hands or, or I should say get your palate on a beer? Or a lager or a stout. Well, let's put it this way. Two of the things that I'd really like to do, and I hope to do it within the next couple of years, is one, I'd like to take a trip to Germany. Because in Germany, um, there's the Reinsgebot, which is the um, German purity law, which means uh, if you want to be labeled this, you can only make beer with the four key ingredients. You can't put anything in it. You can't put any any type of other material, you know, ingredient in the beer except those four ingredients. And a lot of the beer in Germany is light, super refreshing. You can drink them over and over and over again. And what's great about it is the perfection. It's, it's one of those things. It's it, one of the reasons why Jim Cook from Sam Adams has said Budweiser is so great. The reason why is because of the consistency. The Budweiser that you open in Brooklyn and the Budweiser that you open in Japan taste exactly the same. And that's what... what so, Al, we got, we got one minute left, but here's my question. Yeah. The beers that you're talking about in Germany, we can't get those beers here? No, you can. Uh, I'll tell you where you can get. You can anybody that carries Vine and Stefan, or they are the oldest brewery in the world. They started brewing beer in the year 1040, and they can only brew with four ingredients. Every single one of those beers is made to perfection. And here's the thing: you can drink five or six of them. You won't be waking up with a, with a severe hangover the next so day. So Al Sambolin's going to cut us off. Tell everyone where they can hear the the beer cast. Uh, the Al Gatulo Craft Beer Cast, Sunday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern on AM 970 The Answer. Or, of course, you can download the podcast anytime you want at am970theanswer.com. That's it for tonight, folks. See you tomorrow. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.